Hello, Scotty. Where you have to, like, turn the crank or something? The crank is turned and the recorder is going. All right. Well, Scotty, while, I, while Amy Lionheart is de- desperately begging for my attention, um, I think that's probably a good thing because our fractional listeners has probably, you know, um, been put upon too much and we have to, like, beg a, an additional fractional listener to take in the dispel these poor fractional listener or listeners. I have absolutely no idea what you just said. Why not? You didn't no, hear I did it? Hear it. You just I just don't understand what I didn't I'm... understand it. You you think we should need another fractional listener to relieve the fractional listeners of the fractions. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Something like it's, that. This is beginning to sound like a client spec for a for a for a, for an app. <laughs> I, I I just I just want it to uh to thingamy bob the thingamy jig um between kabubbles and on the jingamy jangles. <laughs> You're so mean, Scott. It wasn't nearly as convoluted as that. It was just merely a way of saying that we've heard from a small number of fractional listeners, and every time they speak up, it's it's not so much to be able to say, you know, we enjoyed the show. It's like, we've done our duty. Can somebody please come spell us? <laughs> but no. Well, Scotty, 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 guess what, guess what, guess what? Damn it, Amy. So, so it's not to say that so much say enjoy the show, but then you cut us off, or, or someone cut us off. I, I, I didn't cut us off. You cut no, us off. No, I don't think it was me. I think I think that basically you mentioned someone enjoying the show, and that was enough for FaceTime to say, <laughs> "Fuck this bullshit! I'm moving on." <laughs> Stop lying. <laughs> it, it is. This is a fact-checking FaceTime call because Apple Apple are really not listening in <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are. They're just doing it on on the device. And normally, normally, so like is is the NSA whoever are listening into our show, um, just to make sure it's fine. Normally, they can just cope. But you saying people enjoyed it was enough for them just to panic and freak out and cut the line. Colonel <laughs> <laughs> Panic. Is that his name? Was it Colonel Panic? Press the. Uh... Press the stop. Yes, press exactly. Stop. Press the stop. Anyway, we had a fractional listener who fractionally enjoyed the show. Yeah, move on. All right, so anyway, <laughs> carry but, on, even whatever it might be. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it was just it was. We were now into the Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? Section of the show, John. As ever, I cannot guess, but I am sitting here, looking forward to what you have to say with Antissa. Patient. <laughs> okay, great. Well, Scotty, uh, today we well we turned on Netflix fully localized in Russia. Not only the content, but but on all the platforms. And let me tell you, it was it was really quite a bear. So, <laughs> would you like to hear about someone? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, does this mean now that Netflix is localized, you have to stop doing your really uh, sort of bad Russian accent with English and now have to actually speak in Russian? Exactly. Yeah. No. Go for it. Uh, yeah, well, so, you know, up until now, German has really been the, 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 the torture language, with Greek a close second. In some cases, Greek is, is worse than German. Um, and uh, But Russian is even worse, because I, as I've I snarkily pointed out in, in a Slack channel that, you know, Russian's expansive nature makes German look like Chinese, which people say, what does that mean? But it just means that when you're trying to, to fit in, you know, names of a button, like the word play, you know, it's four or five characters in almost all languages and ends up being, you know, like 10 or nine, 10 or 11 in, in, in Russian, at least for one form of the word. 
and on mobile devices, that becomes very difficult to, to work. For instance, the, the, the billboard, which is the thing that you see on the top of the screen, you know, on, on, on the iPhone app, there's the big picture. It's the thing that's the number one promoted thing to a user. And then below that, there's a play button to the left-hand side. There's the, you know, add it to my list. And on the other hand, there's a, the, the right side of that button is the info button. And again, kind of we've had no problem on fitting that in nicely, even on the smallest of devices. But then along comes Russian. And and one of the particular problems was the word play, which, as you might imagine, that exists in a lot of different places in a, in a video app. Um, and it, we just were looking at it and we said, you know, something's got to give because there's there's no way of kind of fitting it in at this point size, which typically, you know, we don't like to, to, to you know, no designer wants to make something that's so big that is never going to work in, in other languages. I mean, in other words, most designers know that they can't just design it for one language. They have to imagine and answer the question, what happens when, when text just doesn't fit? Is it acceptable to shrink the font? You know, do we move to two lines? What do we do? And and up until now, it's usually been well. We can shrink the font a little bit because usually it's it's in order to make it fit. It's just a, a you know a, an adjustment that 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 wouldn't be visible, right? And and the the algorithm that exists to be able to determine: Do I wrap? Do I turn something into an ellipsis? Do I cut the the font size? It's just pure math. You just run it in cycles until you kind of figure out: Does it fit? It's like okay, great. I can stop the loop. And, you know, it, you can find it becomes kind of tedious. Right. Um, and so in the end, there's 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 in some ways no substitute for just running it through all the languages, making screenshots of it and then looking at them all and saying, OK, well, what, what are the outlier languages? If it's multiple languages that have problems then we have to kind of make a policy decision, do we make things split on two lines, for example? Um, but if it's a singular outlier language, which we are now seeing, then the question is, well, what do you do? And in this particular case, I said, you know, can we look at a different a different kind of word? Is there any substitute? Because there are oftentimes many words of saying, you know, many ways of saying the same thing. In fact, Russian famously, I think, has like, you know, dozens and dozens of different ways of referring to cat. It's kind of like the Eskimo and snow issue that, you know, what we might say is snow. There are multiple different variants to, to describe the different states of it. So in the end, kind of the linguist came back and said, yeah, we could use this word, you know, which more directly means watch. Um, but you wouldn't want to use it in all cases. So I said, okay, great. You know, please have the linguist look through the strings, but if we do it, we should, we should do it. And then their question comes down. It's like, well, should it be the same term across all platforms? And, and that's, you know, a question to be resolved, but you know, that was one of them. Um, uh, and then the other thing I noticed is that, you know, certain line heights, it's like tie. You know, there are certain characters that appear together, and unless you, you speak it, you might not notice that something's a little bit clipped on the descender. It's like, these are the levels of detail that we have to care about, but the, but the reason why we do is because... You know, that, that's really the only way to make your, your product or service work well in, in a country. It has to look like it was written by and for the people that are in it. And that it just so happens that it was about, you know, coming up on two years ago today when I, I made my first trip to Russia and, and gave a talk on, you know, building world-friendly world apps. And here I am kind of on approaching that, uh, approaching that anniversary and very proud of the, of the work we've done. And and we'll see how the growth goes because I think that there's you know Russia is, is an interesting market there's 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 lots of potential there and you know most people as in, in any market you can release something in English and if people English is is a popular language to learn as a second language and especially if you you are are younger and kind of care about you know whatever modern culture which of course comprises you know TV series and and movies and music and fashion and things like that and 
kids who are into into that chances are speak English in some degree and in fact may enjoy using a, a service like Netflix in order to improve their English, especially if they, they want to find kind of, you know, a line with a, a, a more American uh, versus rather than a British variant of it. So um, it's out now and we're going to see how it goes, but it was nice to nice to make it through. Do you think you would ever reach the stage? I mean, I guess you've done so many languages now, you, you, you know, that where you would really just end up having a a sort of very different UI for certain sets of languages? That's an interesting question. You know, I I kind of don't think so. I mean, here's the other thing, too, is, is you know, we have, by comparison to Android, a, a, you know, a, a much smaller set of problems to solve because although Apple has changed, you might remember that kind of when, when the iPad came out, it was, it was a, a completely different form factor, and I, I can't remember exactly whether there was one size of iPhone or two, but the, it, whatever it was, they were fairly close in size. Now we have kind of a fairly wide variety of, of screen sizes um, and, and, and ratios from the smallest that, that we support right now, which is an iPhone I, you know, oh, sorry, you know, SE, which is kind of the, the iPhone 5 form factor. We don't support the, the, the earliest iPhone size or iPad or whatever iPod touch that, that were the very, very small screens. We dropped support for that a long time ago. So the, the smallest size screen we support and the largest size mobile screen we support is something like whatever iPhone 8 plus maxi pad or whatever like that. And then, you know, there are quite a, a variety of, of sizes of iPad from the kind of the, the, the mini and all the way to the also kind of the super maxi, <laughs> maxi pads. Sorry. Yeah. But, but as many as that may seem, it's actually smaller, I think, than, than, than Android. And Android, just because there's so many, uh, I want to use the word darn, but I mean, so many damn varieties of it that there's, I think, a different set of expectations that basically, I'm going to tread carefully, but I think it it it. I think the expectation for 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 Android devices is more that there's a lot more fluidity and compromise. Whereas I think that there's a there are a lot of mobile only apps on 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 iOS that think we're only ever going to run on these size devices, and we're going to really think carefully about it. We don't want to have to compromise design in any way to make it a, you know adaptive for for larger screen sizes. Um, and and I think that that that's becoming the case for for, for it, it can be the case for for an iPhone app and so but what i was thinking that you were getting at and, and is that now we have we've supported i think this was our 30th language and i, I and quite honestly i thought that in some ways we were done in terms of all the different places in the app where we needed to adapt you know, to handle these different things because, you know, we already handled kind of European languages that expand a lot, which is, let's say, German. We've handed, handled languages that have really tall, you know, you know, senders and descenders that make for much, you know, higher line lights in the form of Thai. We've handled kind of right to left with Arabic and, 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 and Hebrew. Russian kind of covers those two things of of higher, you know, stranger line heights and and even more expansive that it really did cause us to have to think a lot both about in terms of of how we do layout and also you know what terms we use. I, I you know there are still other languages that that that, that we haven't supported and and some that I you know are in process right now. So I, I won't say it's like we, we're not going to, obviously we're going to do more languages, but every time you do one, it becomes a little bit easier for the ones before. But the other point I was going to get is like, 
as time passes, you have fewer devices that you can end up dropping some of the smaller ones. And as a result, it's like I can say that there's no way that we could do the the, the, inter, the density of, of interface design that we have now on, on modern, uh, you know, iPhones using phones that that you know from 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 only a couple of years ago right because we we also kind of have to think what is the percentage what are the percentages of of users that have these these older tinier phones and the reality is is that in new markets where we're entering you couldn't buy one of these older phones you might have one that's secondhand but they're just simply not sold so you know it it, it, it it's certainly certainly tricky but i think it's it in some ways it's, it's more manageable than on android that was a long speech. Yeah, I mean, obviously not having done Android development or not having, I mean, I did a little bit of Android development for, you know, many, many you know, moons ago and, and just sort of playing. Uh, but I don't know because, you know, Apple, Apple have over the time made developing for different screen sizes easier, but it it has become more complicated. I mean, we do... You know, you look at a lot of apps on an SE and they just don't look great. They really just don't look great. And you can tell basically, yes, people have used auto layout and they've used like um, uh, class sizes and everything. But it's just like, yeah, they, they've not really allowed for this to be on a small screen <laughs> in a way. Right. Um, whereas in some ways, Android, because I, I agree with you said about Android could be more fluid. But because Android has multiple screen sizes from the beginning... The fact that things have to chop and change and look different on different screen sizes, some apps just maybe handle really well. So I think I think if you're starting iOS development today and using all the class sizes and everything else, then, um, you know, you're good. But uh, there's a lot of legacy apps out there that just don't work very well with the different screen sizes because no one ever wrote stuff to work on these different screen sizes. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm not. Yeah, so so I mean, do the Android teams and the iOS teams sort of collaborate quite a lot where you are, and is you know because a, a very um, in thing with a lot of companies these days is you have feature teams, don't you? So basically, you will have a team that's dealing with this feature, and you'll have your you know, your website developers, your Android developers, your iOS developers are all going to do that feature working together on a team. Um, that tends to work quite well to get team you know to get feature compatibility and usefulness across different devices it works less well when you're trying to just get some general maintenance shit done on a particular platform and no one's actually free to do it because they're all non-team stuff so i mean uh you know this whole i've worked okay let me let me take a step back because you probably can't answer the question i was going to ask you anyway (laughs) um uh we i've worked in several companies where they've wanted a consistent experience across all platforms whereas i've always argued no make the best experience for each platform where do you sort of fit on that i mean i mean as your as the ethos for where you're going right well i mean to to for one thing we can say was when you're talking about doing localization it absolutely is a, a team effort and a team support um, and so it's it's known quite well in advance. I mean, I think that, that it takes it takes less time to do the localization of the user interfaces than it does to get a critical mass of of metadata and, and subs and dubs localized. That's that's quite a bit of back catalog work that has to get done. You can't really launch a service where you know the UI is great, but you know you can't get the subs and dubs or you can't get a, a synopsis. Um, so 
but then at any given point, there there may be a different set of A/B tests. We are maybe exploring something on Android that's that before on 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 iPhone or vice versa. Some things are done both. So, you know, it's it's a mixture is 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 the the short answer. But there definitely is lots of collaboration. There just has to be. We kind of really treat it as as platforms. You know, there's the, there's the web team, there's the smart TV team, there's the you know ten foot UI as as, as um, it's sometimes referred to. And then, you know, um, desktop web is, is another. So it, it's, um, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of want to have consistency on, on a brand because it's, it's quite common to have multiple platforms. It's not at all uncommon to, to, to have people whose main carry phone is an advanced Android device, but they may have an iPad from a couple of years ago that, that, that they have. And a lot of times iPads are, are devices you know, that are inherited by kids for, for kind of family entertainment devices when they're on a trip or, or on their own or whatever. Um, so it, it's changing a lot. But then, you know, uh, especially with the, the all the, the, the raft of announcements and, and the new phones, it's it's interesting to see, you know, what's going to happen now. It's going to be a, it, it, they, they, with the aggressive pricing. I think there is going to be a pretty strong upgrade cycle, which is always kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I've been experiencing the whole uh, working in different ecosystems thing for the last couple of weeks. Um, I've decided for the <laughs> for the month of October, I'm carrying an Android phone, um, mm. partly because uh, I want to understand Android better for a whole bunch of reasons, which we'll go into at a later date. Um, secondly, because I dropped my iPhone a couple of weeks ago and I didn't want to go out and buy a new one uh, and broke it. I didn't want to go out and buy a new one with this week's announcement just coming up and not knowing what was going to be released. So I said, right, um, Google were just releasing the new Pixel 4a. I'm going to go out because it's a £350, $349 phone, um, basically, which yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. We say $340 phone is like a really cheap Boxy phone these days, whereas you know, mm-hmm. yeah, because you know, now we're used to spending a thousand dollars on our iPhones or whatever else. Apple have really got us into that by the short and curlies, haven't they? Um, <laughs> so I, I said I was going to use it just for a month to basically because I wanted to thoroughly. I didn't want to just work with Android and say, "Oh, that's rubbish," because I didn't understand it. I wanted to say, "This is good and this is bad." After getting to know it uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, that I might need to do some Android stuff sort of next year. Uh, and, and this was a good way of just filling in on a phone until get an iPhone 12. But, you know, the one thing I have discovered is, you know, they're basically, if you if you use native Mac apps um, and you want to sync with a mobile version of something, virtually every app assumes that the user is going to be an iOS user if you're a Mac user. Now, hmm. yeah, I'm not convinced that is true. Um, just because you own a Mac does not necessarily mean you will own an iOS device. Now, it's you, you know, lots of people do own iOS devices, and I guess if you own a Mac, you're probably more likely to own an iOS device than maybe if you're a Windows user. Um, but it does mean that a lot of things just don't have an Android client to play well with. And so, you know, this is not, you know, um, no, I'm not sure if there's this because... I suspect this is because a lot of apps are developed by smaller teams and you can develop an iOS app and a Mac app. And although they're different, they're the same, if you know what I mean. They, they, you know, it's Xcode, it's uh, it's Swift, it's um, Foundation. So even though AppKit and UIKit are quite, you know, quite different in many ways, 
uh, you know, th there's enough familiarity there. Whereas I guess if you're going to Android, you're now learning Java or you're learning probably more likely Kotlin. The whole layout system we've just discussed is different. Different. So I'm just I'm just wondering, you know, and this is one of the questions I'm asking as part of our thinking for Moneywell as well. Um, you know, how how much you know should you know how much how many people are out there that might be using both you know an Android device and a Mac that is a sort of basically an untapped market in many areas, or really is it that's just really a slim market and those who've tried it have failed and that's why <laughs> that's why no one does it. Um, <laughs> and they don't want to have to talk about it in public. <laughs> yeah, because to be honest, the Android phone, I mean, I have to say the Google Pixel 4a for a £350 phone is pretty darn good. And one of the things that it's made me realize is, um, you know, it's just so light compared to an iPhone. I mean, it's plastic, so it's going to be lighter, um, but it doesn't feel cheap in my hand at all. It's just so light. And now every time I pick up my iPhone 10 with its sort of broken screen, it just feels like an absolute brick. Um, and so this is when we had this week's iPhone announcement. I just thinking I don't, you know, as much as I will return, pretty convinced I will return to the iOS um, ecosystem for a phone um, at the end of the month or in a couple of months' time. Um, depending on how long I do this experiment for, you know, the thought of having a heavy phone again, which I was quite excited by the iPhone 12 mini, uh, just, you know, a small phone and nice and light again. But then, you know, I get stuck with this, the, the FOMO of, you know, oh, but the cameras on the pros are so much better in theory. But are they? <laughs> it's the, you know, the camera on the, the standard iPhone is so good. You know, do I really, do I really need the standard, the, the cameras on the the pro and if you're going to make that argument then you probably should get the pro max because the cameras on that is even better and I, I said to someone the other day it was so much easier when every year i just had to decide do i buy the new iphone now it's do i have to buy a new iphone and which one of the eight models that is now there do i buy and it just makes it really confusing and being a procrastinator it means i probably just won't buy any because i can't make up my mind which can't be good for Apple. And I, I went there from no. Android development, Android phones to Apple's event, all in like one complete boring monologue. There we are. I've just covered the world this week in one monologue. And this is different from other weeks. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Spilling coffee. You are. That's good. Well, hopefully not on the phone. Well, so that's, that's curious about, about Android phones. Is it, I think is it, is it, it has to be that, it's not just the difference of the plastic case versus the aluminium case. It must be that, that Apple has just really tried to, to pack as much battery density as they possibly can. I mean, yes, iPhones, especially with all the computational photography and computation, now computational audio that, 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 that happens, you know, uh, they, they need that power to say nothing of, of 5G, even, even though they throttle it. So, you know, it uses less battery when you don't need it. I'm sure that they're very sophisticated about it, but they do ultimately want to give the most powerful battery they possibly can. Um, and so, uh, do you, do, did you, has it been your experience that the, the, the battery doesn't last as long on, on Android as it does on, on um, iOS or just simply has less demand? I get, um, probably about 28 to 30 hours from the Pixel 4a of battery using it. Wow. I mean, that includes obviously some sleep time in there, but if I if I forget to plug it in overnight, I can normally get, you know, I can normally get through till lunch the following day if I need to. Um, don't be wrong, the Pix, this Pix, it's, 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 you can tell the processor and it isn't anywhere near as good as the A processors because it, there are, 
when you launch an app, there are pauses. Nothing that's really bad, but if you're just used to, there is a difference. The screen is really nice. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to comment on Android itself because I think a lot of my issues with Android is I don't know it. So, it you know, I, I sit there trying to make it do something and it's a different gesture to on the iPhone. So it's not that Android's bad. I just don't know the gesture. Um, and it what it does help me to understand is, you know, I naturally use iOS because I've used it for 10, 12 years and things just make sense. But if you come to iOS as a brand new phone today and you come in iOS 14, you know, how how easy is discovery on one of those devices to know that you need to do this gesture for that and this gesture for that? Um, so so in, in discovering in apps. So, you know, the camera on this phone is actually pretty good. Um, you know, to be, to be honest, if I didn't, you know, this is a perfectly usable phone. If I wasn't trying to integrate with anything else would be would be fine and if i drop it in a pool or you know smash it at 350 dollars i can get four of these for the price of an iphone <laughs> um uh you know so it, it's all there so but it doesn't have the machine learning and all the rest of it stuff i guess i, I guess what i could do to make android work and sort of do is, is to totally integrate with the google the google um setup start using right. google drive i mean i use gmail for everything anyway um yeah, but yeah, so I, I will give a more up to date report on Android once I've been using it for a month and I and I know it better. Um, hey Google, sorry for people out there who have Android phones, um, uh, just whoops the ass of Siri. Siri is so shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. In things, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's an experiment. Uh, we'll see it, but it is frustrating making it integrate with my Mac and the apps I use on my Mac. So I was a Devon Think Pro Office user. I keep all my stuff in DevonThink Pro Office um, or Office Pro, whichever brand it is. But of course, they don't do an Android client. So, um, you know, do I now? I'm, I'm, because I'm only probably using this for a month or two. You know, I probably won't move everything, but I have done some research, and there is really, if I wanted that type of app, you know, a, a throw all my shit into an app and then just be able to get access it from anywhere. Um, yeah, that that's a lot harder. I mean, Evernote, but Evernote is such a clunky old thing on any platform. You know, don't know why I'd want to do it. So yeah, so it's uh, I don't know why we're talking about this so much, other than it's just uh, been a a bit of a pain to me. But it has, I think it. I think what it's done to me is it's made me realise that we make certain assumptions as within the ecosystem that everyone is fully into the ecosystem, and if you're not so fully into the ecosystem. Because let's face it, not everyone can afford you know a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars for a phone, and you know this uh, you know I guess there's I, I guess this is equivalent to an iPhone um, SE, the new SE, isn't it? Which is an old six or is it six S style phone? Yeah, so I don't know. It's just made me made me wonder about the whole ecosystem compatibility thing, but now I've really have just bored everybody for about twenty minutes, and so so we should probably move on to something else. Uh, do you want, you got something else to talk about, or do you want me to move on to something else? Um, I think that it's a it's a longer discussion, but I'll put start to put it out there. Is is, is I had a kind of interesting experience this week as we are, you know. Uh, you know, we have some newer members of the team, um, and it, which is always great when somebody's you know comes to the team and 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 starts to to look at decisions that were made five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, and and say, hey, I don't understand all this, or is this still the optimum way? And and one thing that's become really big now is, 
is path invalidation, right? And, and how you make entities out of a a, a storage graph. And, you know, we we still use Falcor, but we're 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 moving to to, to GraphQL, and that's a long process. And and there are advantages to, to to both, but they still have the kind of fundamental issue in that you you create an entity of some sort that's used to 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 as as you know as as part of a view model for instance and there's certain kind of data that's volatile that will change quickly like you know the bookmark for example um or its status of of an object you know of 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 a, of a video is it in your list or not you know and so forth um, and and then there's other things that change with release dates, whereas there's other bits of metadata like the title and, and the the synopsis, such as like once it's written, it's written, it doesn't change, and it be, it becomes rather tricky to be able to manage all this stuff and and how you design the entities and how you combine them, because you, you know, ideally you want to have lots of aggressive caching when you possibly can, and then you don't want aggressive caching to to screw things up in the user interface where you're going to have different UI based on on the state of of some data, which can change often. So it becomes really tricky, and and, and at some point in any heated Slack discussion, people are like saying, fuck it, you know, it's like, let's go back to SQL, <laughs> right? Because then you have complete control. You can you, you can decide when, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, sure, let's do that. And then I, I snarkily said, you know, our new mantra should be, oh, you know, database rows wrapped in OO closed. And a, a, a newish member of the team you know, said, oh, my God, I'm going straight to Teespring with that. I want that on a shirt. And I haven't had the heart to tell him. It's like, yeah, I, I can't, can't let you do that. Those, those are James Dempsey lyrics. And they're from, from, from back in the, the Enterprise Objects Framework era, which is fucking long time ago. So, but it was a great reminder that there are certain things you just keep, you keep relitigating about kind of how to do these things. And the, 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 the kind of computer science problems of cache and validation remain no matter what, and then the the minutia of of whatever APIs you're going to use are, are, are what's going to change. But that that made me laugh. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it? We move on, we move on. We have all this flash stuff. Things get better and better and better, but some problems just always remain. <laughs> exactly. In, in, uh, yeah, well, GraphQL, um, it was huge for a while, and, and everyone was talking about it, and now I think it's settled down into quite a few people are still using it. I think a lot of people have moved on because they thought it was you know, the silver bullet and then realized, actually, you have to do a lot of work. <laughs> and so it might be a good solution, yeah. but it's not like, oh, plug it in and all your problems are over. Um, you no. Basically, you plug it in and you now deal with a different set of problems to what you were dealing with with SQL. Um, and maybe those problems are preferable problems. Maybe those problems are more solvable problems, but they're still problems. Yes, there will always be problems. Problems. Boy, we've got problems. We have. And one of them is we've run out of time. Um, All right. Well, that's not a problem. That's, that's, <laughs> that's an opportunity. But well, well, I'm sorry. If you're the fractional listener who had to listen this week, then you've had to listen to me waffle on about Android. <laughs> So you could, you, I think you deserve to get a double break before your next listen. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it's in there. Uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm going to actually, I'm, I'm going to try a little bit of Android development over the next couple of months as well. While I've got this phone, uh, just, just sort of like playing with some Hello World type apps, and, um, uh, and so I'm going to um, give a little bit of comparison because I actually know a lot of contractors who do both iOS and Android, and I always said. Yeah, I've always said in the past that must be really hard to do. I struggle to understand, you know, to keep up with one. Um, 
but not not too so i'm going to just going to going to take a look and have a play and see what happens and then we'll decide how much um you know we swear a lot in xcode i guess uh after i've used android studio for a couple of months i'll be able to say whether you know xcode deserves our swearing or whether actually we should be very grateful for what we have well it will be interesting well scotty if, if people want to either offer their condolences or welcome you to a world of happiness where might they do that they can do that on the place where everybody is happy twitter where i am mac devnet and john if people want to say to you please don't let scotty talk about android again <laughs> Where should they do that? Well, first of all, you can open up, you know, TweetBot or, or or some other non-union Twitter client from Twitter themselves on your iOS device, um, and find me as Jembe. That's that's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. Excellent. Well, John, I would like to say it's been a pleasure, but uh, um, it has been for me. But whether it has for you, with all <laughs> my waffle, I don't know. People got all the value of your um, Russian. So basically, today, if you want to buy an Android phone or want to do something in Russian, this has been fulfilling for the other 99.9% of you. <laughs> we do it. <laughs> Gosh, Scotty. All right, well, we'll do better next time. How about Self-deprecation, that? John. Self-deprecation. It's, it's, it's healthy, I think. <laughs> right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, you take care. Thank you.